0: Well, if you're new here, my name's Steph. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, we've been uh, we've been in a series on the church, and this is the last one in that series. Uh, so we're going to, over August, be looking at uh, uh, we're going to do a little three week special, which we're going to uh, I won't say too much about uh, at the moment, uh, and then from September onwards into the autumn term, we're we're pro- we're looking at an Old Testament character, just finalising the final details, but we're going we're going to spend a good few months. Um, exploring the life of an Old Testament character, which we haven't done for a while yet. So we're just finalizing that. But this is the last one in the series on the church now. Um, <clears throat> it was So we've looked at different ways the Bible describes the church, different images, and it was going to be a certain thing today. But over the last little while, I've really felt the Holy Spirit impressing upon me to, 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 to actually talk about another element of what it means to be the church um, that wasn't part of the planned series. So because of, because, and because of that, the, the way we're going to go about it is, is that there will be numbers of different scriptures I'm going to pull upon uh, so that w- the scriptures won't be coming up on the screen. I'm sorry about that. But if you do have a Bible with you, either on your phone or or one of these old-fashioned types, uh, then please do follow It's ever so important that during the sermon you know that we're teaching the Bible. Um, This isn't about opinions. This isn't about um, just trying to get people to sort of uh, believe random ideas and say it's biblical. This is teaching the Bible. This is the word of God. We believe wholeheartedly. This is where the authority is is rooted. And so it's really important that you follow that with us and you're able to engage in what what we're teaching. Um, So instead of God's flock... Today's title is, da, da, da the little children, we are the little children, which is quite an unusual phrase, um, but I love unusual phrases because it makes you stop, pause, sit up straight and say, well, what, what's that about? Uh, one of our, part of our vision is, to, is, is that we want to see big people. She's an interesting phrase and some people have questioned, that's an odd phrase, why do you have that phrase? Well if anything it makes people say, what does that mean? And when someone says, well, what does that mean? Then you're in for a good conversation. So this whole idea of being the little children, I think is probably in terms of titles in this series, the one that probably makes us more than anything go, well, what does that look like? This is a five or six point sermon. <clears throat> Each point has got a counterpoint, so it's basically a 12 point sermon ceremony is going to be a beast. You're going to be here for hours. We've got extra kids workers lined up. We've got a little buffet going to come around about 2.30. So no, not really. It's fine. It's all good. Um, But the thought occurred to me in quite a powerful way recently that I think very many of us in the journey from childhood to adulthood lose something. sure we gain a lot. I'm sure there's uh, levels of vulnerability we have as children that you grow out of as an adult. You know, you're no longer, you're no longer going to be duped by anyone and anything. There's a gullibility that hopefully you leave behind when you come into adulthood. You become a bit more shrewd, a bit more aware of how life works, a bit more canny, a bit more discerning. Hopefully, and these are all good things. There's much that you gain in coming from a child to be an adult, but I also believe there's often much that you lose. Things happen that have an impact and you can find yourself thinking, I have at times as an adult found myself thinking from time to time, I, in some ways I feel less than I did at primary school age. I can point back to certain th- moments where I spoke up or acted in a courageous way or, or, or trusted that I, I, I look at sometimes as an adult and go, I think I might have lost something. and it's no coincidence that Jesus has got a lot to say about becoming like a child. Because although we believe the biblical teaching that that no one is born a Christian, that you have to be born again, that on a spiritual level we are born dead in our sin, we believe that. We believe the Bible teaches original sin. We believe that um, something has to happen after your natural birth where you are made alive to God. Um, So we don't don't believe that uh, anyone is born, born again. Something else has to happen. We're not in a good spiritual state, objectively speaking, when we're born. That's what we believe. That's what the Bible teaches. And yet, I would say, there's something about the way the heart and the mind of a child works that makes them somehow more uh, in tune with the way God works. I don't know how those two things coexist, but I believe they're both real. There's something about the the mind of a child, the heart of a child, the way of a child, the freedom of a child, the the lack of uh, self-consciousness of a child. I mean, I was so pleased as I was planning on preaching this today during our prayer meeting before the service. um, The prayer meeting suddenly came to life when two of our little ones decided to try and see if they could swim across the wooden floor. (laughs) It's just brilliant. It, it was like now, now we're talking. Now the prayer meeting is rolling. We got some swimmers, you know. It's brilliant. Did not they? I couldn't see any of them have a chat before. What, what are people going to think when we do the, the crawl? You know, they weren't. They were just. There was a freedom, a lovely thing about it. You think I, I would think twice, and rightly so. I, if I was to do that, you know, there's element. But there was a, there's a freedom. There's something beautiful there. And I want us to meditate and focus on what it means to be the little children. And look at certain things the Bible says about the fact that we are the little children. And so the first, is, the first point I'm going to make is that, is that Matthew 11. Matthew 11 verse 25. Let's read together. Sounds like there's about one hard copy in the room, and the rest is on the phone. Matthew eleven twenty five. At that time, Jesus declared, "I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father." For such was your gracious will, or such was your good pleasure. It pleased God to reveal these things, gospel truths, spiritual truths, to the little children and hide them from the wise and the learned. So the first point is this, there's revelation given to the little children. There's something in the heart of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, you think, well, why? What what pleases God about that? Well, we are told what pleases God about that in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. Very important verse. If you're ever going to understand the gospel, become a Christian, grow as a Christian, you need to understand this verse. This is a very, very big verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21 says this. Since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. So the world in its own wisdom did not know God. Might have discovered all kinds of amazing things, all kinds of brilliant things, scientific, geographic, you um, artistic, all kinds of things, but yet through its wisdom, it did not come to know God. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach, to save those who believe. So mankind and his pride can learn a lot of things, but it doesn 't come to know God. And so God is pleased to reveal to the weak, to the foolish, to the little children, the gospel, the powerful life-changing message of Christ crucified. Because what it does is it takes the rug out of human pride and it sets us on the foundation where we realise that God, yours is the throne. You are Lord. There's something that pleases the heart of God about that. Christ crucified is a crazy message. But the more and more you study it and the more and more you understand it, the more you realise it makes perfect sense and holds together seamlessly. And yet there's something about it that is hidden to those who insist on uh, remaining on a foundation of pride or intellectualism. God will pass you by on that foundation. God will deal with you on that foundation. Because you cannot have a relationship with God on that foundation. You will not flourish spiritually. If you if you call yourself a Christian, but actually what you are really built on is the foundation of self, pride, intellectualism, all of those things. If you are built on that, you you will not flourish in your relationship with God. You may not even have a relationship with God. If by His grace you do, you won't flourish, because the foundation is all wrong, and so that what gets built cannot cannot be strong and straight and true. Serious serious stuff here. So, praise God that as the little children we get to see spiritual truths. Now, my counterpoint to this point, and it's a really important point, <laughs> is that this doesn't mean for a moment that we are to be lazy in our minds. That is not, that's being childish, not being childlike. Children have the most inquisitive minds, don't they? Why? Any of you have been parents or uncles or aunties and you've the why phase? It's brilliantly healthy, but it's emotionally damaging for the adult involved. Why? Give the answer. Why? Give it. Why? You know, he always comes back to oh, "I don't know" at the end. You know, because there's but there's this wonderful desire to know more. That's childlike. That's beautiful. You know, there is no excuse for being mentally lazy as a Christian. So when well, I'm to being like a child, you're being nothing like a child. Children are mentally very, very active. They want to know everything, and so it's ever so important that is not being childlike. As a Christian, Jesus, when he was age 12, amazed the scholars in the temple, didn't he? Didn't, but not, and I don't think because, you know, he laid aside, if you like, he laid aside omniscience that he knew all things. He, he had studied, he had been studying the scriptures and he amazed the scholars Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness, he had the, he had the scriptures, he had them he'd hidden in his heart because he had studied, he'd spent time, he'd, he'd meditated, he'd chewed it over. So I'm not for one minute encouraging that the mind is a great gift. The stimulation of the mind with rich gospel truth is one way to really warm our hearts for God. Here's a quote from a guy called Donnie Griggs, he tweeted this, I thought it was a great tweet. It's true what people say, God doesn't love me more if I daily read the Bible. What's often not said is how much more I love God when I do. That's a brilliant quote. Of course God doesn't love you more or less if you read the Bible every day. But I tell you, when you get into gospel truth regularly, your heart will, your heart will be stirred with, with love for God more and more. As Luke read out Ephesians 2 earlier, this phrase, the great love with which God loved us, it hit me in a way it never hit me before. I thought, wow, this is a, the great God. I am greatly loved. Not just loved. I am greatly loved. Church, we are greatly loved. That is incredible. That is so powerful. What stirred my heart. I find myself loving God more. Why? Because the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. And the more we get into his love and understand the depth of his love by the Holy Spirit through Scripture, the more we will love God. And so I want to encourage us as a counterpoint. Yes, be little children, but be, be little children. Keep asking the why. Keep studying. Keep actively um, pursuing God. In his word. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20, it says this. This is a very, very brilliant verse. Brothers and sisters, don't be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. Wow. Brothers and sisters, don't be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. Grow. Let your mind develop. Have a childlike, inquisitive attitude, but let your mind develop. And and so you learn to think maturely. Think biblically. Understand the counsel of God. Understand the big picture of what God's doing so you can understand the details of your own life. If you don't know the big story of what God's doing, you will never properly interpret the details of your own life. Think these things through. Become mature in it. Put your mind to work. Study. Buy a theology book. Read it. Read it. Read it on the tube. Read it when you can't get to sleep. Read it in your lunch breaks. Feed. Challenge it. Causes you to, wow, I didn't see how that. Feed together with that. But be infants in evil. We'll get onto that. That's that's one of the other points. We'll get focus on that a little bit later. Second thing. Access to God's presence. Let's read Matthew chapter 19. One of my favourite stories in the whole of the Gospels. Matthew chapter 19 verses 3 to 4. This is is, is massive. You want to know the heart of God? Ah... no, sorry, Matthew 19, 13 to 14. Verses 13 to th- 14. Say, aye when you're there. Cheat, you on your phone, it's easy. Say, I, when you're there, if you've got a hard copy. Aye. All right, here we go. 19, 13, 14. The then children were brought to Jesus that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said... Let the little children come to me and don't hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Let the little children come to me. Now, in this case, it's, it's, it's actually physically, literally little children. But later in other verses, Jesus says, Jesus says you've got to become childlike. So there's an image here. And here's the image. Number one, revelation. Number two, access to the presence of God. Access to Jesus. The children have access to Jesus. I love this story because the the adults assume that the children are going to get in the way of Jesus, right? The adults assume that that Jesus has got more important things going on so he hasn't got time for the children. The adults assume that the children are a nuisance um, and Jesus sweeps all of that away and says, Don't think about children like that, please. You must never think about children as a nuisance. You must never consider, you must never try and get children out of the way. Let me just say this to you. Those of you that are parents or you work with children, they are not a nuisance. They are amazing. They are absolutely incredible. We can learn so much from them. Um, We need to become those people, part of our becoming more like Christ, those of us that are believers, is that we let the little children have access to us and we bless them. They're they're never a nuisance. We should never become too busy. It's ever so important. You know, if a a child feels they've got access to you, that's an enormous privilege. It's wonderful, the things they say. I mean, it lights up your life, doesn't it? It's so not boring. You know, after adult conversation, you think, God, someone give me a kid. Bored out of my mind. Someone give me, I want to talk about something random and fun. You know, no offense, but you know... But sometimes we are so familiar, how are you? Fine, how are you? Fine, how's London? Fine, how, you know, it's, come on. The kid comes up to you and says, look, Hulk, wow. Talk about Hulk, you know, it's more interesting. Um, I, 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 one, of the things I, one of my real joys is I get to um, coach kids at boxing, and, um, and they'll just, they just, they just say what they think. They'll say, you don't look very fit, you know, it's like, okay, you know, just say it. It's an access, it's a comfort, it's an access they've got. It's brilliant. Or, or they just say, what, what religion are you then? You know? It's like you just ask this stuff. It just and, and, and the crazy things they do, and we and the other coaches look at each other and say, It's a shame they've got to grow up. It's a shame they've got to grow up. Because they, they've, not, they've not been squeezed into that phase where they're trying to be like everyone else. They still know who they are and are happy, peaceful who they are. It's beautiful. You know, one of the one of the joy, the trumpet blast of the gospel is because of the work of Jesus Christ for you on the cross and His resurrection. You can come as you are into the presence of God and be welcomed. What a glory is that? And I think it takes us actually years to work out. Once the world's done its work on us, it takes us years to work out who we are. Years to strip back the nonsense, to strip back this, that, and the other, where you're trying to please that thing and trying to not be too noticed there, and try and you strip it back and you be yourself, and you realize, wow, I am clothed in Jesus Christ. I've been made fit for the presence of God, but God doesn't want some fake me in His presence because, frankly, I think it bores Him. You know, and you with someone you're thinking you're not being real. Come on, Lord knows who we are. There's this access into His presence through what Jesus has done. It's such an honor. It's such a privilege. You know, if, if when you come to church, like when we gather like this, if you feel, find yourself trying to get yourself into some sort of mode or headspace so you can engage, something's wrong. Because it, well, what mode were you in before? See, we've become, we are, the Bible says that through what Jesus has done and through our faith in him, we become the dwelling place of God. The Holy Spirit lives in us. So we, 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 we walk with him. We, we know him. We know who he is. We can draw near. I was thinking about drawing near to God the other day. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And I thought what? Because God gives us free access through Christ but then there's that drawing near, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's not a different headspace but it's that sense, it's that intentional I want to live with you, I want to walk with you, I want to speak with you. And my own honest experience of it is this. Very often, me drawing near is me dragging myself near. There is a, there is a, in, there's a part of me that doesn't want to be walking with God it's called the flesh I want to do my own thing uh, I want there's parts of me that wants to say things, do things, look at things that God really doesn't like it's reality isn't it it's part of me that can't be bothered part of me that just wants to take a shortcut part of me that just wants to be self-indulgent that's very very real, that's the flesh that's, we all have that, that's just reality and so I sometimes have to, I have to pull myself into the presence of God Almost, you know, you always, you've got to deal with yourself and say, no, I want, to, I want to be in the presence of God. It's real. You've got to drag yourself in, draw in near. Learning to live in that place of just fellowshipping with God. I feel I'm so far off that place of continual fellowship. But I think well, I'm, I'm on the journey. <laughs> I, want, I, want to, I want to learn how to do that more and more. But I've got access, brothers and sisters. We've got access. We're the little children. Jesus isn't going to rebuke us and turn us away. He welcomes us, lays his hands on us and blesses us. Amen? What an honor. What an absolute honour. <clears throat> Linked with that is confidence in prayer. Just confidence in prayer. The Bible, Jesus is clear. Look, if, if, you're, gonna, if you're asking for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. He's your father. He loves you, cares about you. So you can ask confidently. It's ever so important that we learn to do that. Um, I felt as I was preparing this, just a quick, a little Holy Spirit nudge in the ribs. <coughs> say something that's slightly related to this, but not totally, but it's relevant for folks. And it's this. It isn't about prayer, but it's about this, the model of asking, asking God for things in prayer confidently. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to speak to some of you here about when those in your life that have leadership over you, whether that's in work, church, or elsewhere, but there's a, you know, there's a leadership thing going on, and decisions are made that you don't understand, really felt quite clearly from the Lord to say, you need to learn to ask why that decision was made. Because in my experience, is what I would call the 75-25 rule. And it's basically this. When people come to me, particularly in church, and and ask questions, why didn't this happen? Why did that happen? 75% of the time, I can give them information that they lacked, which when they've got it, they then go, ah, I get it now. And it stops them jumping to the wrong conclusion and it, and, it, and it keeps the enemy out. That makes sense? In terms of stuff that goes on. So they ask, you can just say, oh, here's why. And they go, oh, that never even occurred to me. He so, said, yeah, well, of course not. It's not obvious, but this is the situation. They go, got it, fine. We're all good. 25% of the time when I'm asked, I go, Phew, that's a brilliant question. I never thought of that. We probably need to adjust some things. Either way, everyone's a winner. But when there's not the confidence to come and ask... All kinds of things can grow in the head and the heart. So I just want to say, I felt it's quite strong to say that from the Holy Spirit. If you've got questions about stuff that's going on, but that's in church, particularly in church, you know that's the realm. You know, kind of me and Luke and Rich are responsible in that. You've got to come. you got to come and ask. No one's going to get slammed down. No one's going to be defensive. Let's we'll just explain, and you, it'll be great, okay? But also, it's a good principle. Get get bold in the workplace. Do it well. Be gracious, gentle, but ask. Um, that's really helping leaders. If they will receive that and if they will accept that. So that's a big one there. Okay? Um, right. Third or fourth thing we're ever up to is holiness. Let's go to Matthew 18, verse 6. Little children. We're the little children. Jesus said this Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. I'm going to read that again. Okay? Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. This is serious. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. You don't mess with the hearts of children. Okay, You don't mess with the souls of children. Okay? It's fear of God. Fear of God. Any of you doing anything, just messing around with children, I tell you now, it would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the heart of the sea. Hear the word of the Lord. Don't mess with kids. Okay? Don't. You will be held to account. Ever so important. Ever so important. But it also shows you the heart of God for his little children. He hates it when we're caused to stumble by things. He hates it when things get a grip on our soul. The Bible is very real about sin. It talks about sin which so easily entangles. Okay, All of us have this battle and it's very real. But God hates to see his children trapped and weighed down with these things so they can't run properly. He hates to see his children made to stumble, holiness matters to God. I was always been struck by this statement said by a secondary school teacher to me. I don't 100% believe, but it always, I mean, I still remember it now. He, something came up, he's one of those slightly eccentric teachers. My school was full of eccentric teachers that probably should have been sacked 60 years before. And um, it's just one of those schools. And he said this, and I don't know, someone was talking about films or something, and he said this. He said, any film that is unsuitable for a year seven is unsuitable for me just was massively impacted by that i don't think it's completely true obviously there are adult themes that can be explored so I don't, but there was something about it that hit my soul as a 12 13 year old where i thought how much do we just let through the net because we're adults now but it's actually corrupting us it's corrupting us it's changing the way we think it's changing the state of our heart this isn't about laws and legalism and do watch this don't watch that. this is about looking after your soul this is about taking seriously the state of your inner person. How much do we just let in and we say, "Oh, well I, mean, I don't know, well, I'll feel to that. Will you?" Or will you become desensitized as a result? Will certain things that used to feel, oh, no, become more and more normal in, in your heart? I tell you, there's a, this is serious stuff. Holiness really does matter, that we're not to be corrupted. In, be, be infants in evil. Be infants. If it's dark, just don't go near it. You're watching something, you know, this thing is going dark, bang, get it off. Sometimes it's embarrassing, sometimes others will look at you like, say, trust me, that was getting in, I can't do that. Leave the room, do what you've got to do. Above all else, the Bible says, guard your heart, for from it flow the springs of life. Okay, We've got to, take, we've got to look after ourselves, it's ever so important. Um, now I'm not saying that we're to be naive. I'm not saying any of those things. No, we are to grow in shrewdness. We are to become, This is the counterpoint. We are to be more and more shrewd, not naive. We're to, you know, so many Christians. Are, you know, it's like there's a naivety. There's a naivety. It's interesting. You know, when Jesus was being interrogated by Herod, what did Jesus say to Herod? Exactly, you got it right. Nothing. The only man to be ignored by Jesus. The only man to be because Jesus knew what he was about and he didn't even bother answering him. The Bible says, do not answer a call, a fool according to his folly. also says, a answer a fool according to his folly. <laughs> You've got to be discerning. But there's moments where you go, I'm just not going to answer you. Some Christians, say, they're so naive. They're so, they're, 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 you'll find them, find them spending a load of time with time wasters. People just want to argue. People just want to take them down dead ends. And if I'm a Christian, I better love them. And three months later, no, no. Shake that off. Or around money, Christians whose consciences aren't strong enough to to, to, to not give money. So they, you know, every chugger on the street is approaching them and they're oh three pounds a month, two pound a month. It's nonsense, ridiculous. No, <laughs> no, you're not to be naive and just pressurised or duped into giving money here. That is your money is stewardship from God. You entrust it into the kingdom with faith. You, 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 you your, your conscience, your heart, follows where your money goes. You don't just invest in stuff because you feel bad if you don't. Guilt-driven living, that is foolish living. No. See, when you're secure in God, then you can be moved by compassion, which is different from being moved by guilt. Because your you're not constantly, if you're guilty, because you're trying to defend yourself and show you're a good Christian, if you're secure in the love of God, then you're not, you're not in that place. You just know, no, I'm a child of God. But then when the Lord moves your heart with compassion, you can give to that. It's totally different. So we're to, be, we're to be childlike in terms of exposing ourselves to evil things, but we're not to be naive. We're not to be taken for a ride. Christians who are getting manipulated, cornered by people, and they're living their whole life by others' pressures and demands on them. No, in the name of Jesus, no, that's not freedom. The Lord wants us to be able to stand and be a bit courageous and, you know, learn. Be strengthened one another, so that we're, the things we're doing, the way we're living, what we're giving our time to, and our resources to, we, it's in faith and with a good conscience. Amen. But I can say some strong things. I don't know how they're being received. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying them. I think they're biblical. So, right, keep going. Thank you, Davina. I will. I will take your brilliant advice. Right. Um, we're getting near the end now. Humility. Matthew 18 verses one to four. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling them to him, and calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Great story. Great story. The need to be loved can easily be mixed up with the need to be preeminent. The need to be loved, which is a valid need, it's we are made to be loved. But it can easily be mixed up with the need to be first. The need to be preeminent, because then you feel more loved. I've been introduced by Joe Kite to Isla Vista, who are just, just when, you know, when your dream music genre comes together with great gospel lyrics. And one of the songs, he says this, this is great, he says, um, Where is it? Um, he said... Uh, He's talking about his past life before he really got serious about God. And he said, what I had, what I had was less exciting because dreams don't love me like you do. Dreams. So he's talking about he had these dreams, he wanted to, you know, and so often I think when this you get this dream talk in the Christian world, you know, God's going to fulfill your dreams. And do you know what? Just careful with that stuff. The Holy Spirit gives dreams and visions, yes. But it can easily turn into something else where you're basically just saying, God bless my idolatrous desires <laughs> you know sorry folks uh, but that you know that sort of thing like lord and when god doesn't your life doesn't pan out how you expected it to you start blaming god and all of that classic western rich proud stuff okay and he's talking about this whole thing of dreams dreams don't love me like you. that's what a, what a line what a line more than my dreams being fulfilled i need to know the love of god in my heart then I can hold dreams and visions and hopes in a healthy way because I know I'm loved. And nothing and no one can take that away. Hallelujah. And and so you see there, there's um, there's what I would describe as a a humility in that where you're just letting the love of God shape who you are and keeping you from stuff that people get so stressed about because it's kind of rooted in pride. It's rooted in these things. You know, Jesus shows us the root. You want, to, you want to be really great. To want to be really great in the kingdom is fine. There's no problem with that. But the root there is through becoming the least. Jesus, it was the cross, then it was the throne. Yeah, that's the root. Glory, first he comes down, incarnates as a man. I mean, you know, so incarnates into the thick of... A, a tyrannized, invaded country as a man makes the choice to do that. D- makes the choice to face every temptation we face, yet doesn't sin. He's going lower and lower and then he goes at his lowest point where he even submits to death. A, death is a vile, dark enemy of God. He submits to that for our sake, that he might completely save us. That he might taste everything that we taste in terms of the, the results of our sin, even though he never sinned, and absorb it all in himself. So that all the, all the punishment and accusation, all that could be absorbed in him, so we could go free. He goes lower and lower and lower, and then God raises him from the dead to new life. And then he ascends and is exalted on the throne, seated so at the right hand of God. That's the root, brothers and sisters. You want to be great? There's nothing wrong with that. That's the root. Lower, lower, lower. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand, He will exalt you at the proper time. He will do it. He is faithful. Will you trust him? So much of our agonies and anxieties come from this kind of desire to, to get somewhere. To, to, to be you. I wish by this time in my life I was there more than here. We have to submit to the timing of God, the schedule of God. It's always surprising. It's never what we think. The root, God says, I'm going to do that in your life. Great. You think it's going to be a straight line. Sorry, folks. It never, it's never a straight line. It's always the best, it's always higher, but it's never what we think it's going to be in terms of the root. You've got to submit to the schedule of God, it's humility. I tell you, you might think this doesn't, this doesn't sound very appealing. I tell you, it's the root to contentment and peace in your soul. It really is. It's not passive at all. You're praying, you're waiting on God, you're, you're you know, being proactive. But the foundation is you trust in the sovereign timing and schedule of God. You trust he has not forgotten you. You trust he, You trust his na- your name is written on the palm of his hands. You trust that he knows, he cares, a mother may forsake her child, but he will never forsake you. You trust that his thoughts towards you are more than the sand on the seashore. You actually believe it. It affects the way you live. It changes everything. You've got to fight for it. It's not a once-for-all thing. You've got to fight for it and then stand in it, but I tell you what, it's life-changing. Life stops so much crazy decisions. We make, people make crazy decisions. Coming out of this anxiety, this root, I've got a shepherd myself. I've got a parent myself. No, you don't. No, you don't. He, he offers to be that for you. So will you let him, and what does that look like? Do it his way. Be wise. Follow the scriptures. Take counsel. Don't act out of fear. Don't make big decisions out of just being cornered or panic. Trust the Lord. There's a peace in that. It's a stunning thing. Got loads of time. So, 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 so. Imitation. Imitation. John eight thirty nine Jesus speaking very straightforwardly to the Jews who were really being full of unbelief, Jesus says to them They said, Abraham's our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing what Abraham did. If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing why? Because true, true children imitate. True children copy. They copy. I remember copying my dad. I wanted to be like my dad. There was a time in my life when my whole soul was wrapped up in my dad and wanted to be like him. On a human level, as you grow older, you realise your parents aren't perfect. Sometimes you realise quickly, sometimes you realise slowly. But we all realise they're not perfect. There's still things I admire, but there's things I don't. There's still things I want to grow into, but there's things I don't want to grow into. Let me tell you, we have a heavenly father who is utterly perfect. (laughs) There's nothing about him that you should not copy, other than trying to be (laughs) worshipped. (laughs) <laughs> get people to worship you don't do that but um, you know, just how he is in his ways his kindness his tenderness his holiness his purity his stunning radiance there's nothing there's nothing not to like there's nothing not to love to obey the Lord listen this is really important it's a quick again little bit of a quick parenting lesson uh, as well um, so many parents are stressed out because what they're trying to do is trying to negotiate with a two year old Right? don't do it just just put it off for a few years. Give them a break. Give them a break and tell them what to do. That will really help them and it will really help you. So many parents so stressed out. You see, trying to get little Johnny to sit on the potty. It's like, just stick him on the potty. He ain't listening. Get him to do what he's told. As they get older, it moves from behavior to internalizing values. It changes. Of course it does. But that's the journey. But I tell you now, if you have not established good, gentle, godly, orderly authority in your relationship with your child at that early stage, then they are not even going to listen to you when it comes to influence and values. They've already decided you're a joke. Okay? I'm not talking about being harsh. Parents being harsh is the worst thing in the world. I hate parents who are I don't hate them. I hate seeing parents being harsh. And maybe some of them do hate them a little bit. And then repent. Say sorry to the Lord. I'm not, if you're sitting here and you're harsh, don't think what I just said was a, was a um, what's the word? A, a commendation of that. Not for one moment. Gentleness, kindness, fun. Yes. Authority. Yes. They obey and then you teach him. It's the same with us. Listen, do what the Lord says. Just do what he says, please. Just do what he says. You will learn as you do that that he's right. Go, wow, it works. Wow, I can trust him with my money. It works. Wow, I can put him first time wise. It works. Wow, I can do relationships. Like he says, it works. Wow, I can speak the truth in love. It works. Wow, I can forgive. It works. Just do it. And then things will start to internalize. You'll go, it works. He's wise. He's, ama- he's amazing. His ways work. You'll start telling other people. You'll become a disciple maker. That's your destiny. Do it. Get on with it. Don't wait for the feeling. No Christian's always waiting for the feeling. I'm waiting for that feeling, then I'm going to forgive. Bro, it's not happening. The feeling's not coming. (laughs) Drag yourself into forgiveness. Do it. It works. Feelings will change over time. It's ever so important. We've got to get serious on this stuff. Even Jesus learned to obey through the things he suffered. Hebrews 5 verse 8. Even Jesus had to obey. He had to learn that through the things, the hardships he learned to obey God. How much more us? Learn. Learn how to obey. Go through it. Walk through it. Walk through it. The Lord will sometimes take you to the line. Because he's, he's, he's dealing with your depths. And Until you get to the line, your depths aren't being dealt with. <laughs> but he wants to put that lovely, beautiful foundation of Jesus right at the core of who you are. Then he can build something magnificent. Final scripture, then we're going to respond. 1 John, chapter 3. This was not part of the sermon until Luke read it at the prayer meeting this morning. Then it became part of the sermon. Verse 1 and then verse number nineteen. No, 18. And now little children. So glad when you read that, mate. Little children. It's like, yes. My hunch was correct. And now little children abide in him. Sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Wrong, wrong verse. But little children is in the ver- next one coming. Yeah. Yes. I want to start with verse one though. Three verse one. See what kind of love the Father's given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Hallelujah. He has loved us. Because of this great love, he's made us his children through Christ. Just great love of God. It's just overflowing, free, electing love of God. He's made us his children in Christ. If you know Jesus here today, he's free, overflowing, uh, totally unpressured by anyone or anything. Just free, electing love has overflowed into your life and opened your eyes to Jesus Christ. Wow! What glory! What love is this? And then what does that produce? Well, verse 16 of the same chapter By this we know love that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. What does it look like to grow and mature into the, into the love of God? It's that our, we learn how to love well. Not just in talk and words. It's so easy to say, I'm praying for you, and then not pray. Isn't it? So easy. Send my little prayer emoji, feel like the job's done. Just saying, just saying. Uh, It's challenging, isn't it? Um, Say words, but then when the rubber hits the road, it's inconvenient. Oh, plan to do that. That's when the last love, that's the love. But at that point when you go, I'm going to do it anyway. Because agape love is the determination to do the other good, even at significant cost to yourself. That's what agape love is. The determination to do the other good, even at significant cost to yourself. That's the love with which God has loved us. And he's looking for us to become men and women of love. Amen? To grow in that. So come on, we're going to learn how to do this. We learn how to do it. We grow so that his love is perfected in us. It's matured in us. It's a journey that we walk and That's where he's taken us. That's the church. This is who we are. This is what we're about. If you want to follow Jesus, the Bible says, turn away from your current way of thinking where you've never made him the Lord. Turn away from it recognize it's a futile way of thinking. Why would I want anyone else to be Lord other than the Lord? Change the way you think about God, yourself, life, just do a U-turn and trust entirely in him. Do it, say I'm going to do it your way Lord. The Bible says as soon as you do that, in that moment, when you call on his name, he will rescue you. Okay? You think, how can it be that easy? Because he's done all the work. He's done it all. Okay? It's all done at the cross and the resurrection. He's done all the work. So bang, you can leave here as a new creation today. You can leave here knowing that you now know him. That you're, not, you come, you're leaving a different person. That's the miracle of being born again. Now that obviously there begins the journey of discipleship, maturity and all of that. But you will never, no matter how much you mature, you'll never become more a child of God than you are the moment that you leave here if you give your life to Jesus. It's a free gift of God. It's a miracle. Luke's going to lead us in a response as a church, but also for those of you that have never yet made that sure and certain commitment to Jesus, but you know today that the Holy Spirit, is calling, you know today you want to call on Jesus. I would love to pray with you, counsel you, advise you, talk with you, encourage you, help you. I would never, ever dream of forcing, coercing or leaning on you because salvation is a work of God. But I'm so, so happy to be able to chat with you and pray with you. So please do come and find me. Amen.